Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment. Hello, and welcome to Champion Psychology, a show with the goal of openly talking about mental health and gaming presented by Codename Entertainment and TakeThis.org. Every Tuesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time here on Twitch.tv slash Games, or later on your favorite podcast service, I almost did it again, but I almost, I felt, I, I was like, don't say B-Dave, don't say B-Dave, and then that's all I could think, but <laughs> Rafael Bucamazzo, aka Dr. B, and Mutual Drone talk about mental health and gaming and, uh, and how gaming affects us. Uh, if you're here with us live in the chat, you can leave a question that I, Trevor Best, will ask them later in the show, but before we get to that, uh, well, today we're going to be talking about uh, it's been we've had two weeks off so i had a little bit of a rough start there i apologize we're talking about making time for things that we love uh but uh who are you two for the fine folks who may not know hi i'm Mitra jordan and, <laughs> oh did uh... i switch it god <laughs> i get <the> top off <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit rusty, like I said. Forgive me, folks. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I... <laughs> Please, continue. You were doing so well. Also, Hi, I'm Mitra Jordan. <laughs> yeah, I sound like that all the time. <laughs> I'm, a I'm a clinical counselor in Vancouver, BC. No. Since See, when I'm... am I in Vancouver? <laughs> Yeah, there we go. I, I live in America, where geography begins and ends at the border. Yeah, that's sadly, oh. it's sadly true. I really the sadly U.S. public true. education system. Oh. Well, I will start us off. I'm Dr. Rafael Bocamazzo. Um, I'm, so I'm a clinical soothing. psychologist uh, practicing in uh, Seattle, Washington. Um, I am called Dr. B for long Italian name reasons that I just mentioned. So it should be obvious, but in any case. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I'm probably missing some key facts as well because that is the nature of our show today. Yeah, no, we're all over the place. <laughs> uh, but you know what? This is something we love and we're making time for it. <laughs> That's right, absolutely. This is very restorative, which is uh, a key yes. factor in things that you love and make time for. Heck yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. So, you know, we, we, we've talked in the past about, you know, self-care and whatnot. So why are we talking about making time for the things that we love? Um, well, hobbies do a lot for us, you know, uh, they, not just, and I don't, we're going to talk about hobbies, I think a lot today, but, yes. but Mitra really brought up a valuable point in um, our pre-production meeting and want Mitra lay it on us. Which one? I had brought up some <laughs> well, about how the things we love are not limited to just hobbies. 
Oh, yes. Okay, so it's true that there are many things we love, some of which we might do for work, um, and some of which we might do uh, to support others as well, like making dinner, you might love to cook. Um, but that isn't quite the same as a hobby, because um, generally, when we think about our hobbies, we think about something that is lower stakes, um, that is fun to do, that if it doesn't turn out perfectly, oh well. Um, and really, there's two sorts of um, approaches to this, actually. There's people who do hobbies for a product, and there's people who do hobbies for a process. And for people who value a product, say you're doing pottery, right? Say you're, you're love, somebody might love to just play with clay and fiddle around and they don't really care if they turn up a beautiful bowl. At least at first, it's just, it's fun. And it's not, um, it's not such a big deal if it doesn't turn out perfectly. But for the person who's more product oriented, they might be more about um, getting it right. Um, and, but that's not necessarily stressful either for them because it's the fun of doing the thing and creating something, but you're not doing it to sell to someone else. You're not doing it um, as something that has to turn out right. It's the pleasure of learning something, of playing with something where there aren't actually high stakes involved, which is why it's a hobby and why it can be relaxing. You're, you're actually pointing out something really, I, I wish I had known this before I had engaged, I, I brought, uh, you know, significant others into participating in hobbies with me, because the and it, 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 it's interesting how that process versus product approach can lead to conflict in the middle of doing it. Yeah. When one person is like, hey, I'm just cool. I'm hanging out. I'm having fun. Who cares if it's good or not? And one person, the other person is just like, no, but here's how you improve. Here's how you make it look mm -hmm. better, mini mm -hmm. painting. Uh, that is, um, <laughs> and it, it it being aware of that, which one is your priority, is super important in you know how we engage with other people in these product uh, projects. Yeah, and it's true because I don't think it's something we necessarily consciously think about. You know, um, we just kind of approach hobbies how we do mm -hmm. um, as with so many other things in life where we might think that we, other people think similarly to us and so it's a bit of a surprise to discover perhaps somebody saying okay let me tell you how to improve your game yeah and you're like I was just having fun man like that's you know that's where it ends for me but uh but I have, I have been brutally honest with people with some like I, I don't remember specifically but like there's something that I'm doing and someone's just like okay but here's how you make it better and I've legitimately I cannot tell you how much I don't care yeah. <laughs> yeah so for some people that making it better is an exciting part of the process mm -hmm. and for others it kills it dead right because now I feel like there's stakes and I have to do it a certain way and I have to be you know, good at it. Um, and there, and especially if it's something where there's other people involved. Um, mm -hmm. Now I'm, you know, potentially letting them down if I'm not doing it right. And that that takes away from from the pleasure for a lot of people. So mm -hmm. um, I think there was one thing, the other piece around uh, whatever activity it is, is um, you brought up an extra, uh, an ex, La, boy, I cannot speak. You brought up an excellent point when you talked a little bit about crochet. <laughs> I don't know what you 
you guys to tell it because it was so good. <laughs> oh, geez. There's a lot of words we can't use on this show, but uh, yeah, no, I, I brought it before the show that like I, 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 I was thinking about getting into crochet because it seemed like something that like people talked about how relaxing it was and everything like that. And I'm just like, I need relaxing. Um, and so my wife for one Christmas got me this crochet set and man was it very quickly apparent to me that that is not for me <laughs> and then dr b <laughs> made some interesting <laughs> observations about that so trevor trevor wait, wait, wait. so you're telling me <laughs> so much. that a hobby that involves consistency of attention sustained counting working memory keeping track of how many knots you've done <laughs> And also being able to go back if you screw up a knot and keep track of how many knots are involved as well as patience and time is not a good fit for you. Is that what you're telling me, Trevor? No, listen here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is exactly what I'm telling you. <laughs> you know, guys, guys, I've looked at crochet charts and knitting charts and, you know, there's an awful lot of symbols and also the bits look quite similar, you know? So, cause you've got basically a grid and then you've got little, you know, symbols for, for knots and things, or do you purl twice or you do this or you mm -hmm. do several twists or whatever, you know, in each one. And it is definitely stressful for me. So I think this is another one, you know, think about the hobbies that you're, you're pursuing because, and in the words of the yarn harlot, who, if you knit, you probably know about Stephanie Pearl McPhee, the yarn harlot. It's if you don't knit, name. honestly, it's just the best name ever. But she talked about how you want to challenge yourself just enough to mm -hmm. make things interesting, but yeah. not so much that they become demoralizing. Yeah. And it really, honestly, if it's nothing but just sort of basic straight you know just like very basic knitting maybe with a row of purling thrown in i can't do it it just becomes demoralizing and then i have to unpick the whole thing then i have to do it again and we've really taken the joy out of it all for me so it's it's this is really about figuring out the fit in terms of hobbies and things that you want to do and also looking at the fit of whoever you're participating with you know, should it be a game you're playing together or a hobby you're doing together? You know, who's going to do what and how stressful is that going to be? So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think we, this is one of our moments, our serious moments of agreement where just like, yeah, Dr. B and Trevor, preach it. No, this is one of the doctor, 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 doctor. Yeah, I'm impersonating. Okay. In the earliest research on uh, fantasy table, fantasy role-playing games, it was um, for the the earliest research for fantasy role-playing games was a year and a half long study where the researcher went into these communities in the Twin Cities area and just played along with them and learned about them. It was a sociological study. And one of the interesting things about it was that all of these folks were talking about like all the cool things that playing Dungeons and Dragons did for them. And, you know, it helps me with social skills. It helps me make connection and, and all this, but he made this revolutionary 
absolutely groundbreaking discovery that sometimes fun for the sake of fun is itself a purpose. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. We can have fun as adults. We should have fun as adults. I, I don't, I don't understand what you're saying here. Like, like uh, how's this helping my portfolio? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Trevor, Trevor. <clears throat> And, you know, I, I do not often give prescriptive advice to people, but I'm going to give some prescriptive advice to you, Trevor. I'm here. I'm ready. And anybody else who's listening in the, if you benefit from this advice, cool. The enterprise did not go at warp nine all the time. All right. Love that okay. one. Okay. When, when the, about the warp five? Yeah. No, yeah. there's a reason it traveled at warp five a lot of the time. You mm -hmm. don't redline your engine. Yep. Exactly. And in fact, the whole point of hobbies and fun activities is to do the exact opposite of redlining your engine. It's about refueling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's about filling the cup. It's about enriching your life. And mm -hmm. why is that important? Because it resources us. Yeah. Because then we can come to the things that are more challenging or difficult and we have it to give. We have the energy, we have the time, we have the attention, and we're not already coming to, into it so super stressed that we can't cope and we can't think. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. about replenishing. And speaking of super stressed, I made the mistake of bringing up a Star Trek metaphor on the internet. And I am now being corrected <laughs> oh, about how much environmental damage the warp engines did, which we didn't discover until season seven of the next generation, people. I didn't even know about that. I guess I didn't watch the foreign news. <laughs> oh boy. But yeah, no, the 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 I, I really think that like re refilling the cup, like re replenishing is a, a really big thing there. And why, you know, you know, we, we named that we, we had a long title, which is making time for things we love, which is a long title, but like, there wasn't really a better way to say it because we got to make time for doing things that we love because that's how we are able to do the things that we hate. I know it's a weird way of saying it, but like doing the things that, that aren't the things that we love, you have to have that time to, to, to refill it in order to expend that energy to, to do that other stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, so, yeah, I mean, none of us, none of us have limitless resources to give. Mm -hmm. I mean, every one of us has a breaking point in terms of our energy levels, in terms of our focus, in terms of all sorts of stuff hobbies and other things we love whether it's hobbies whether it's connecting with people whether it's spending time with loved ones whether it's sitting there doing nothing and staring at the wall watching paint dry i, I i've done that mm -hmm. and that was a lovely way to spend a day sometimes <laughs> i felt good afterwards like i had more energy mm -hmm. it's important for us to keep going as people yeah the it one of the things that that we have on here that I don't really have a really good segue of getting to, which is why I'm going to bring up from the notes, uh, which is like we need meaning, uh, meaning and empowerment slash hope, uh, which I do think is a really good way of talking about these hobbies. Because like you were saying before, it's like, oh, we're adults. We have to make up reasons to have fun. And I, I and I almost think that it's there, like there's some level of it that we're making up reasons for ourselves 
But I also think that in a lot of ways, it's making up reasons that we can then give as an excuse to other people when they find it weird. Like it, it's, it's, yeah. It, uh, Cause yeah. like, you know, there, there's people who are just like, oh, you just hang out with your friends and make up stories all day with some dice. Yeah, I do. And it's fun. And, and it's, pencils. Yeah. And there's pencils. Yeah. <laughs> I subscribed to a website. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Mitra, Mitra. Are, are we kind of getting into existentialism here? A little. Mm. We do question our existence from time to time and the choices that make us up. So, yeah. I like it. <laughs> oh, my God. Makes me happy. Oh, no, it does. I find well, it and, fun. Well, no, you and I have talked about this in the past. <laughs> when you and I have talked about this in the past, that I, I you know, there's a, there's a book that just about every psych student has read and it's a classic for a reason and that's a Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning and um, if you don't know about it go look it up it's a very famous book in psychology circles for a reason but there's a really famous quote from it that um, and I'm going to paraphrase here that we can we can withstand almost any how if we have a why yep and that's, yep. I mean, having a reason for living, having a reason for existence, having a meaning behind things, having a purpose behind things, it drives us. Mm -hmm. And I will put it in the chat since people asked. <laughs> so yeah, the, like the 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 reasoning could just like it, I I don't even think it needs to be anything more than because I enjoy it. Like that's that's just how it is. Like it, it is, uh, you know. Like well, here, here's here's actually a really good example of like the difference between it like i do find playing D, D to be you know restoring and whatnot and my wife d uh does not find it as restoring like she she enjoys playing it but it takes effort it takes you know it takes more than what she is getting out of it so like there are times where she's like hey i'm really tired today so i'm not gonna make it to the game and and that's fine and i know that and uh, that's other people and i know there's people out there's like what do you mean you, you don't fight D &D? like some people don't like that's just how it mm -hmm. is like you can it can still be a hobby but you got to put a little more effort into it than you get out of it um and so th there's th that that's fine like as long as you enjoy it whatever <laughs> exactly i think that that's it i think that um there are different hobbies we may have for different reasons as well, right? So uh, I used to bake bread professionally, pastry too. The very first time I baked bread, I knew this was something I wanted to do and it was something I could be good at. And it's had many um, purposes in my life. When I was doing it professionally, it was about making sure the restaurant had what it needed, but also getting to explore and experiment because I was lucky enough to work at places where I could do all kinds of things. I could do fairly crazy types of loaves if I wanted, you know, as long as they worked with the more or less the menu. But baking for myself at home, it's just about nurturing. It's about the feel of the dough under my fingers. It's um, a very sort of... Um, enjoyable, kind of a sensual, warm, cozy sort of experience to have. Um, and that's one kind of uh, enjoyment of, of, a, of a hobby, right? Um, sometimes there's real bliss in doing something that's familiar 
And it just allows us to focus our minds <clears throat> in a very pleasant and enjoyable way, but it's really not a challenge, which is what you want at that time. You want some comforting hobbies that are sustaining, maybe when you've had a hard day and then your house is, is filled with the smell of bread baking and that's a beautiful thing. Oh, it's a good feeling. Yeah, it's a good feeling. And then there are the times you want something more intellectual. Um, that's just a little bit more of a, more, more of something to chew on, right? And so um, that's when I might do a tricky bit of sewing. I'm very domestic, you see people, I really am. But uh, <clears throat> I might, design something that's just got a little bit more of a challenge to it, or I might take on a really slippery fabric, which can really mess up. And I can really enjoy just being completely focused on that because hyper-focus is a thing, as we all know, that I enjoy, as well as irritating everyone around me from time to time. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think that if we have a few different things to reach for, right, in our lives, I think that's the most sustaining of all. So, yeah, we might play D&D with friends. We might decide to play a video game by ourselves. We might decide to try a tricky level. Sometimes we don't have patience for that or the bandwidth for it, and sometimes we do. And all of that is about really, I think, knowing where you're at in that moment and choosing the appropriate, uh, choosing what you need, mm -hmm. so. But, it, and this is where we've talked about this before, <clears throat> but, um... I'm going to bring up self-determination theory in this. But so it, we talked about this before when it came to the developmental importance of play. And I think it's equally relevant here because the self-determination self theory holds this idea that we, that kids tend to engage in, in play for, you know, or activities in general for a couple of different reasons. And those reasons come down to control, co control, competence, and connection. Do I feel a sense of control over my environment? Do I have a sense of empowerment for myself as a person? And do I have a way of making connection to other people? And I often think about my hobbies and the things I love in terms of doing those things. Um, cooking, cooking does, I, I love to cook, but just for me, you know, I, I give it to other people, but I'm not going to monetize it. I'm not going to put pressure on myself. Um, but I enjoy cooking because one, it makes me slow down. It makes me focus on what's going on in the moment for two reasons. Uh, one, my knives are very, very sharp. And two, there are hot things involved. <laughs> I learn quickly to pay attention. But also it, it, it ends up giving me a sense of competence and connection to other people because cooking for me is an expression of love for the people around me. I get to make things for them. I get to make something creative for them. And over you know, the last 20 odd years of being a serious hobbyist, I've gotten fairly decent at it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not a professional, but you know, I like what I make and uh, other people seem to as well. Uh, but this is, it actually does all three for me as I think about it. Also getting to slow down and focus. There's my sense of control, the connection with others, the competence. And it's, it's, uh, we're getting into that, the anhedonia thing, uh, later. I see you in the chat. I see you. 
Chat, chat is uh, jumping ahead off you things. Like, I already have, on it. I literally have one saved right now because I'm just like, oh, that's the point that I wanted to bring up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but self-determination theory is something I think about a lot when it comes to the things we love. Yeah. Yeah. The the thing that I was uh, going to uh, bring up is this is from uh, Jetty Sido. I don't know. I'm sorry if I said your name wrong. Uh, I started programming as a hobby. Now I work at it um, and uh, also create small programs for myself because I can. I still find it uh, fun to learn a new coding language uh, just for the sake of learning. And th this is something that like I was thinking about before we started recording was uh, essentially like uh let's take podcasting for instance we're recording a podcast right now <laughs> and like this is something that is part of my job it is to stream the show with you all to take the audio from it later edit it you know get a description written put it up and you know have it out there for everyone to listen to that and that started off by me recording in my car for 15 minutes you know on the way to and from work and it sounded like absolute garbage um <laughs> but i but that that was a hobbyist version of it because i was just making something and throwing it out there and hoping it stuck um and now i've grown to the point that i am being paid for this um but it's still I still do this outside of work. I recorded four podcasts over the weekend um, that I'm not getting paid for because that's just, you know, that's the, the, what I enjoy doing. And so I still have, don't you do, don't you have that look next week uh, on champions of psychology, how to tell if you're over engaged. With your <laughs> Listen, it's because we, we only put out episodes every other week. And so we just record them once a month. Um, but uh no so so like i still have like i'm doing this for work but i'm also doing it for um you know enjoyment i'm doing that side project stuff and then there's writing which i did also start off as a hobbyist thing and then i was like no i am going to become an author i'm going to work at this and like it did take on a different thing where instead of like i would go you know, in high school, I used to go write fan fiction to, you know, do that thing where I'm, I'm refilling the cup where I'm, I'm getting something out of it. And then it turned into like, I'm focused on this. I'm making this better. I'm going to do this. And it, and it, and it did become more of work. I still enjoy it. Don't get me wrong. I still absolutely love writing, uh, uh, and whatnot, but it, it did have a different feel from, I like, I will still say for podcasting, I'm a professional, but also a hobbyist because I just enjoy doing it. But for writing, it is very much like I'm not a hobbyist anymore. Like I, I'm, I'm in learning and doing all this stuff for it as much as I can. So where, mm. where do, do you all think that there is a, a specific line that that is where something stops being a hobby and <laughs> refill, refilling the cup and just becomes work? Yep, because I've cooked both ways. I've cooked, I've been a master pastry chef. I did it professionally. And of course I, I cook at home. And I, so I've experienced it three different ways really because I've had the professional experience of it. Um, the home experience when you just have to provide food for your family. It doesn't matter whether you're in the mood to cook. What matters is you happen to have chicken legs in the fridge and dinner needs to happen. And you might feel zero inspiration in that moment, zero excitement about it. You want to really just sit down and surf the net, frankly, or whatever. You do not want to make dinner for other people who keep coming up to you saying, hey, mom, what's the plan? <laughs> because they're hungry. <clears throat> so, I mean, that's not creative that yes i'm creating a meal but that's not a creative process and other people are relying on me for it in both cases in the case of where i have to provide dinner 
Um, maybe I'm not as worried about how fancy it is or how well delivered, but certainly in a professional kitchen, I am accountable for everything I make. I'm accountable for not killing people because, you know, it has to be food safe. Um, I'm accountable. Oh, oh because of the food. I just thought you were talking about the environment. Of the <laughs> Is that so oh, no. A lot of the male chefs I worked with professionally were absolute asses, I'm sorry to say. And I definitely would have liked to take a hatchet to them from time to time. You know? If only Somebody to go up that. to them. That was the most serene, loving, if, murderous intent. If only to corner them in the, the, in the fridge. Listen. <laughs> had enough okay you see this it's got a sharp edge yeah. anyway that. bell in the chat but, bury the hatchet in their face yeah you bet man this, this episode not... got dark and i love it <laughs> so that definitely the environment in uh, your work environment might not be a chosen environment in which you have to do something creative right um and there's the stress of being accountable to others, being accountable in this case also to um, the patrons, whoever comes into the restaurant, be accountable to the service staff to get the food out on time. Um, you know, in a fairly high stress environment, that is not, that has its own kind of, I'm not gonna use the word fun. There's something profoundly satisfying about a kitchen line that is working to absolute perfection. There's a ballet to it. A is thrill, is thrill the right word? There's a thrill to it <clears throat> that I sometimes miss, quite frankly, but it's not a hobby. A hobby, like something where you get to play around and explore, there's nothing that you're accountable to except your own experience with it. When you're with people and you're playing D&D, there's a little bit of accountability to others to keep the ball rolling and mm -hmm. make the game fun but the space is also being held for you. And if it's not, find other people to play with. But um, it's, so that's a joint kind of pleasure to take. Mm -hmm. And that goes for people who play, you know, softball for fun or baseball, whatever else, right? There's a certain amount of accountability, but we know we're here for a good time. We know we're here to just kind of maybe learn and improve a bit, but it's not a huge stress. It's not like, um, it's not like an intense amateur league, which, so there's these, these, these points at which, uh, the boundary blurs between my thing that I'm doing for a good time and the accountability I have for others. And I think work is at one extreme and hobbies at the other. Mm -hmm. I, I think about it as a, as a and I'll be quick because I know we have to go to break, Trevor. Um, the, the, I think about it in terms of intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation. Okay. And if you can do something for a living that somehow you get extrinsically motivated, but don't lose your intrinsic motivation, your internal love of it, then good on you. But yeah. very often people who end up commodifying things they love mm -hmm. end up losing that internal motivation to do it. It becomes drudgery. I mean, you've yep. heard that you've heard, we've all heard that idiom that if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. That is BS. Such absolute a lie. BS. Absolute BS. Yeah. Such a lie. <laughs> but that's, that's actually where my line is. If I no longer have um, any internal interest in doing something that it's all extrinsically motivated, I need to not be doing that anymore. You that's have an effect. Anymore. You've emptied your cup. Yeah. Instead of filling it mm -hmm. right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, let's uh, go to break real quick, like Dr. B uh, was saying there, uh, to remind our viewers and listeners of our disclaimer. But we'll right, be right back to talk about more hobbies and, you know, keeping yourself motivated. So we'll be right back. Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment. All right. Uh, Let's talk about a point that we have on our notes that uh, I've literally just heard you both pronounce, but we'll still mess up. Anadonini. Anadonini. There we go. The year of our Lord. (laughs) Anadomini. Think of anodome. It's a dome. Any. Any dome. And, no. and, 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 wow, and you don't sounds... I, I i legitimately feel dome. like nemo trying to pronounce see an enemy like i'm just Anadomini. like a, a dumb yeah. anemone <laughs> i cannot say that word how about anhedonia anhedonia there we go i like that, that one no you don't like that one no, no okay no, no we don't like anhedonia that's the oh. point what what did Anhedonia do to you? She sounds like a nice lady. She, <laughs> oh my God, that's she a drains great character. the pleasure out of my life completely. That's what she does. I need a I need a character in a comic named Anhedonia. 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 When she comes to visit, nobody has a good time. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, you know we didn't get to you at the beginning of the episode. What does that mean? What's the definition of that? You want to? The total lack of pleasure. Hedonia mm-hmm. is pleasure, everything we do to just enjoy ourselves. It's it's kind of heedless. And we need a bit of heedlessness in our lives sometimes in order to create the time for pleasure and enjoyment. But anyway, anhedonia essentially is, is one of the symptoms of depression. Um, and it's when we feel no pleasure in things. And, and typically we talk about it as we feel no pleasure in things that used to bring us pleasure before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Someone put in Buzz Killington. Oh well done. Yeah, well done. Well That's died. it. Chat, you are on it. <laughs> I heart you all in a school appropriate way. <laughs> oh, God. Don't read that. this book. It'll make you sad by Anadonia. <laughs> <For safety. laughs> At least well, that, okay, she's honest. Oh my God, so Chad is actually, here for um, it. I love it. That brings up a good distinction because Anh- Anhedonia isn't necessarily sadness. Mm. It's, um, I, I say this as somebody who has chronic depression, who works with chronic depression, that um, anhedonia is just sort of, it, it's not its not sadness, it's an absence of joy, which is a really hinky nuanced difference. Yeah. It's, it, it's almost like living in a state of gray where where the things that typically brighten your world you're they just become soulless mechanical behaviors mm-hmm. 
And um, when I work with people, that's actually anhed anhedonia is actually the the bigger red flag I look for when I'm working with folks because we can get sad for a lot of different reasons. But if you're not finding pleasure in something, if you, there is a lack of joy, then um, that's that's with, especially with stuff people typically enjoy. That's a huge red flag for me. Yeah, it, it is because what's happened there is that now I see that you don't have access to the resources to fill your cup that you used to. Yeah. And that's worrying, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Because sadness, grief, we need to let that stuff out. Mm -hmm. yeah. If we don't let that stuff out, this is what happens. We end up in this state of numb, mm -hmm. right? Because you cannot, we have an idea, and we talked about it in an episode about positivity and about you know um, what happens when we try to suppress uh, our emotions because we feel we have nowhere to put them or no one to share them with or no time to work on them. And there's this tremendous fear often that if I open this one door, it'll all come out kind of like Pandora's box and I'm not gonna be able to cope with my life. So it requires that there be the space to manage uh, the you know emotions, the, the space to talk through some of our grief, some of our loss to do mm -hmm. some crying because otherwise our energy is caught up in suppressing. And as long as we're in this state of suppressing, which is often not even conscious, um, then yeah, there's not the means to experience pleasure. And sometimes we can be quite dissociated from these connections with ourselves. And so it's like, yeah, I feel nothing, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, that, 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 that's like, that's definitely one, like you were saying, Dr. B of like, you know, noticing that first, like, that's a big red flag. Like that's, yeah. that's one that like, since talking to you all, I've been able to notice before I do hit a depressive state. It like, because it, there's like, there's sometimes where like, I'll be playing video games. I'm just like, ah, this isn't, this isn't hitting the, the, the dopamine that I want. And that's an ADHD thing where I'm like, I know there's a game out there. I can't think of it right now. It'll hit that dopamine, but everything I'm looking at right now is not that game. It and, just feels like habit. Yeah. yeah. But, but then when, when it's something like this though, like I, 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 this happened very recently where like I got on, I, I hopped on destiny because that's what I did on, you know, like a, a Friday night or something. And my friend got on and we were playing and I was just a, nothing in that game sounded like fun at mm. all. Yeah. And I, and I was like, I was like, you know what, Kyle, you, you pick something. Let's, let's just go do it. I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll get into it as soon as we start doing it. And we went into something. I'm just like, I hate this. This is, yeah. this just sucks. I don't, I don't want to do this. And like, I ended up, I ended up hopping off the game, like after 30 minutes and I apologized profusely to him because I asked him to get on <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry. I'm just not in the, the good spot right now. And nothing is, you know, feeling good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, that, and that's just it. Um, that if people, when people ask me about it, if, especially if I'm struggling with a, a episode of depression, um, they're like, Hey, would you want to go do something? Eh. Yeah. Does this sound yeah. fun? Eh. Yeah. Does, yeah. Do you, do you want to eat something? Eh. Exactly. And so sometimes there's a difference between I'm, uh, over, I've overdone it with this one activity. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> that's not the same thing that we're talking about it because everybody get, everybody can get to a place where I'm now saturated with the thing. And really, I just need a break from it. And other things still sound good. What we're talking about is like the sense of really very little sounds good. Nothing sounds good. Right. I'm just going through the motions with things. Right. Mm -hmm. Everything's just habit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I'm, I'm thinking about the radio station last week who made the news because they played Killing in the Name of for like an hour straight. Oh, it was oh. nine hours. Nine hours they, they, they played Killing they in the Name of. They switched DJs at one point, And someone oh. called in and was like, I want to hear Slayer. And they went, that sounds great. And then started playing Killing in the Name of. <laughs> excuse, me, excuse me, Killing in the Name. I, ha- I think I oh, need yeah. to have my 90s credentials revoked. I, 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 um, I say it all the time. Yep. I, I have not raged against enough machines to remember that there's no preposition at the end. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, that sounds, that'll saturate you. Mm-hmm. Th- things can become overexposed, overplayed. Um, that's why we still love the Macarena, right? <laughs> oh. Well, you know, speaking of, uh, of that thing where it's just like everybody really enjoyed that thing and then they don't enjoy it anymore. Right. Um, and and I, I, we do, I do want to get to some questions, but I do think it'd be it's important to hear at the end to talk about uh, hobby burnout. Um, mm. That That is definitely a thing that can happen when it is the thing that you love and you, it's the thing that is restoring you. So what what happens when you hit burnout with your own hobby? Um, I want to be careful about calling it hobby burnout. Because um, just for the sake of being pedantic, because burnout is a the the way burnout is researched, it's it's exclusively in an occupational context, and the contributing a lot of the contributing factors to occupational burnout do not apply to hobbies. Yeah, um, you can certainly overwork yourself by taking on too many hobbies. Um, you can certainly not feel a sense of reward. When doing hop, actually, I may be talking myself out of what I just said. Hold on, let me keep going with this. <laughs> Overwork, lack of control, because maybe you don't have enough time to do it. Uh, somebody else is controlling your schedule, lack of recognition and extrinsic meaning. Uh, are you doing things in line with your values? Are you getting a sense of community? I think I just talked myself into the concept of hobby burnout. Okay, but I would say that if we're experiencing hobby burnout, there could be a couple of reasons. And one is maybe we are feeling a sense of burnout either in our occupation or our home life, right? Supposing Mm -hmm. we've had to spend time taking care of a loved one, like a lot of care or like a parent or something. There's not a lot of energy and space for the hobby. And when we walk into, I don't know, the room where we have our our studio of some sort, say, we're not super inspired because we might be really tired. Yeah. And yeah. if for me, for instance, I do love sewing, but if I if I have very little time and I don't already have a project of some sort started, right? So that I can just go in, maybe do a few seams, maybe, you know, finish up on a part of it or do some hems or something simple, then I could walk in and go, oh, it's just too much. Yeah. So it could also be that the hobby I was engaging in, which might be something on the complex side, isn't suiting this time in my life now that got suddenly busier or more emotionally stressful for some reason or another. So I think, again, there's often a relationship, right, between the different parts of a person's life and their experience. So, or we hit a snag, right? You know, we get to a point in whatever hobby it is, right? And now we need to think about the next level of complexity in terms of our learning. Yeah, hitting a plateau. And then I wanna learn, you know, I'd say with, uh, a lot of people who sew, for example, 
um, are daunted by things like putting in zippers, for example, or making buttonholes, ever so slightly more complex tasks than just sewing a straight seam, for mm -hmm. instance, right? Or if you're cooking and you've decided you want to learn, you know, to make a hollandaise, say, a little bit more complicated, you could ruin the eggs, you know. So whenever we're kind of up against these kinds of things, it's kind of like, oh, to get to the next level, I need to learn this more complicated thing. And I may or may not be up for that, right? Mm -hmm. I've got a little energy and space in my life. It's like, yeah, great, ready to tackle it, you know. But if I don't, it might be like, oh, I'm just going to just gonna sideline that thing for a bit, you know? Yeah. Well, you you have brought up <laughs> Lev Vygotsky, this uh, Russian psychologist, many times in the past. And I, I love Vygotsky as well. And there's a term that you've used, especially early on in the run of this show, zone of proximal development where there is a, a sort of sweet spot between your capability and the challenge level. And too far in either direction is not, you know, if it's too challenging, you straight up can't do it and it's frustrating. And if it's too easy, then it's not enjoyable and empowering. That's right. But I'm going to point out, Dr. B, that I described it but you reminded us of the term because that's the guy you are, which is why I enjoy you on this show so much. And you're such a, um, such a resource <laughs> for the rest of us. Um, yeah. Vocabulary for today. Vocabulary <laughs> for today, terminology for today. Yeah. Zone of proximal development, you know, where is it not um, demoralizing and where is it not too easy, just enough challenge. And that's going to vary depending on the day, right? So depending on where we're at, if we want to engage in our hobby, we want to think about, am I in a place to do X thing, you know, or is it too complicated right now? Mm -hmm. And that's okay if it is, right? Yeah. Because the best part is this isn't your job. Yeah. This is the thing you're doing because you love it and for fun. Yeah. And so if it's not feeding you right now, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to hop in really quick to uh, uh, hope maybe a couple questions, but we do have to get heading out at some point for product inspiration after this. Uh, but this is from uh, you tomatoed, uh, which is uh, it's a very interesting name. I like it. Love it. Uh, uh, question: What about product oriented uh, people who get frustrated when they aren't uh, already good at things? Uh, and I think this yeah. definitely goes back to the crochet conversation. But uh, like uh, for for me at least, it's that's okay. Don't that's don't do that as the hobby. Then find the thing that you are quote unquote good at, or you are you know you're good enough at it that you get something out of it, and do that. Like drawing, for instance, I suck at drawing. I really wish I didn't suck at drawing, but I, I it's definitely not going to be that fulfilling uh, um, hobby for me because I will get frustrated with the fact that I'm not already magically good at it. But I will. There are hobbies that I do have, like miniature painting. I do like miniature painting and I'm good enough at it that, or, well, I perceive myself good enough at it that I'm happy with the final product. And there There's are classes. Words. There are classes. There's community. Yeah. There's YouTube. Like if it's something YouTube, you want yes. to, you know, if it's something you want to get good at and you're not, that's okay. Remember that even though we all speak fairly fluent English over here, we learned it at some point, we weren't speaking, right? If we have a second language, if we have another skill, we had to somehow learn it. 
because we might be good at a number of things, we can end up putting a lot of pressure on ourselves. But the best part of a hoggy, hobby, not a hoggy, I don't know what that is, but I want What's one a hoggy? <laughs> sounds like a, sounds like a, a steed a... I rode into battle on. <laughs> hoggy! To battle! Hoggy! Yeah. <laughs> so the best part of that is that it doesn't have to be attached to my sense of self in the same way. Because again, I'm not that accountable. I'm only accountable to me and, and my fun. And if my fun is reliant on me getting better at something, then I could take a class or, yeah. or look at some YouTube videos. And it's, it's great these days. There's so much online that you can just kind of enjoy the process of learning. Yeah. I, you know, I think there might even be a painting show on this channel. <gasps> what? No. Oh, yes. No, yeah. Pay, uh, Peyton Slate on Fridays at uh, 12 p.m. Pacific uh, with uh, with uh, uh, Lauren Urban and V Muse. Uh, I, I've legitimately learned things from that. Uh, when I was on break at one point, I put on some of those old episodes to get some new techniques down. Um, actually, you made me think, though, real quick, uh, is the the also the enjoyment of learning the thing like. I have tried that with drawing and it, and it, like even watching the YouTube videos and everything like that, I'm not getting that enjoyment, that, that refill, but uh, like with the D and D thing, I mentioned my wife on the other hand is she is watching these YouTube videos and learning these new painting and drawing techniques and is enjoying going out and practicing them and everything. She's enjoying that process. Whereas I'm over here just like, why am I not good already? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so, so she is getting an enjoyment out of that, that is refilling uh, the cup for her. Um, and so it, it, it just, for me, comes down to find the thing that you can do that with so that you have the energy to go do that other thing that you wanna try and do. Mm -hmm. Well, there's, there's also discrepancies of expectations. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because, um, you know, everybody, almost everybody I know say, says they want to be able to play an instrument, but nobody says I want to practice. And so, you know, this idea of you brought up two great words for mini painting. <coughs> that would be one of them. <laughs> um, Spell that one out. Never mind. <laughs> those two words are bless and you. But the um, no, the, you brought up the two words good enough. Mm. And those words are so important in recognizing this is where I want, I'm satisfied where I'm at. I can still do more as I learn because satisfaction and complacency are not the same thing. That's right. Um, and, you know, I look at my, I look at the minis I painted in high school versus the stuff I do now. And no, I'm not nearly as good as some of my friends, but you know what? I see a big difference between, mm -hmm. you know, years ago and now yeah absolutely yeah i think it's really important to expect to do things badly to start with and by badly i simply mean you know we look at our stuff and we go wow you know but that's how we get good too yeah. that's how we get better and how we can compete against ourselves in a healthy way right it's it's um my why and my purpose is no longer mine if i'm comparing it to other people's yeah you know so my reason for doing something, my reason for having fun with it and the quality of whatever it is I do is, is just all mine. And that's fine, you know? And the more we do the things that we enjoy, the better we get. And it's funny because when I first, and even now I'll sit down to make something and I'll think, okay, I really want this t-shirt or this whatever it is that I'd like to wear. And so I have ideas about how it should turn out. And then in the process, I've sometimes learned so much about it 
that even if I've come out with something that I'm not in love with wearing, um, it's taught me so much for the next thing yeah. that I might try or make or do. 100%. Well, there, um, along those lines, and this is sort of a perverse story, um, I, a very impish thing I, I eventually learned was impish. Um, I used to study martial arts for about five, six years pretty extensively. And, um, but this was also while I was in college and college was always my priority as evidenced by my student loans. And the, the, um, when people would come up and ask me like, Oh, you do martial arts. Okay. You black belt. I'm like, nah, <laughs> how good are you like, better than I was six months ago? Yeah. Yeah. But how good are you? Yeah. I, I better yeah, than who, when I started. Yeah. Why, I, who, who cares? Yeah. I, I like, well, and, and that's just the thing because other people's comparisons became that I was fine answering like that really made them mad though really yeah. really made them mad oh yeah and especially the people who are like you think you could beat me in a fight nope hope to never find out exactly yeah. and i mean sometimes even if you are pretty good at something you can you could do something that's that's not like i yeah. i trained you know by working professionally in in italian restaurants right and about four years ago i think it was i made a mushroom risotto that was so ghastly, it became legendary in my family. And the kids still talk about it. What did you do to that poor risotto? <laughs> I love I love specifically that it got the rating of ghastly. <laughs> that was absolutely awful. What happened to and the risotto? And if you saw it on a plate, it looked like a pile of you know poo really it looked like it looked like clay that you dredged up from the worst of the lakes and it was it was just awful, was we, we, awful. i think we'll have to save the the the, the detail of that for later because we do have to start heading out <laughs> so, i want to know i so want to know about the mystery of the risotto incident we're gonna leave chat on that <laughs> bombshell uh <laughs> <laughs> that is gonna, that's a good place for us to stop this week friends if people want to find you on the interwebs where could they do so so pretty easy for me. I am at Mitra Jordan on Twitter. I am at MitraJordan.com um, on the, the uh, webs there. So, and that's me. That's it. I'm not anywhere else, really. <laughs> I'm, I'm a lot of places. I'm around. He's everywhere. You can find, you can find <laughs> me at uh, V-Dr-B-T-H-E-E-D-O-C-T-O-R-B as in boy on most of the social medias. But you know who's more important to follow? That is Take This Org, the organization for whom I work, which is approaching its 10th year serving the gaming community. Heck yeah. Uh, you, can yeah. Follow me, you can follow me on Twitter at the Trevor. There's an A hiding in there. And you can also find me anywhere the Isle Champions community is because I'm the community manager. That's where I'll be. Uh, so uh, yeah, thank you so much uh, to everyone for uh, uh, tuning in this week. Thank you to our mod Martin for grabbing questions. Do a fantastic job. Um, and uh, thank you to Codename Entertainment and Take This for giving us a chance to have these conversations. Uh, if you miss any part of the show, you can catch it later uh, as a podcast on your favorite podcast service. And if you have any uh, suggestions for future topics that you'd like us to talk about, you can either send those into champion psychology at codenameentertainment.com or tweet them at us. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, we got to get out of here for Bardic Inspiration. We've got a, I think, completely normal schedule this week. So uh, check out our Twitter for uh, what shows are happening and when they're happening. But that's going to do it for this week's episode. So until next week, take care of yourself. Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. 
discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment.